Welcome to the Engineering Podcast. This podcast is all about Porsche. There are four different playlists. Firstly, the building of our REN 550 project, that's the REN builds episodes. You can also listen to our tech talks with your host, Paul, that's me, where we chew the fat with experts on the technical aspects of Porsche. You'll also get to hear about my car and my co-host cars in the Waffle episodes. Finally, we'll walk through Porsche history together in the Heritage episodes. If you want to support the YouTube channel and podcast, then head over to Patreon forward slash Reengineering. Thank you for tuning in, and I really hope you enjoy the podcast. Scott, morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I want to say welcome, but uh, I'm at your place. So welcome to Barnsport. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I want to get before we get into talking about geometry. Yep. I want to take you all the way back to before you were working for Porsche. Yep. All the way back to school. So yep. Fine. Okay. How did for me? So my when I you know when I was thinking about it, when I was trying to work out how I got to where I am now. Yep. Uh, because it was mine was a very wiggly journey to, okay. to get to this point. Yep. But I remember I was trying to think like, when I was a kid, what was it? What was this? What was the stuff that I was interested in? That I drew. I was always drawing. Yeah. I was always breaking stuff and trying to put it back together. Okay. Makes sense now. Yeah. Back then, I couldn't stitch that to what do I want to do as a career. And um, where you'd be today. And where I'd be today, yeah, because I'm a professional engineer, starting a YouTube channel, leading a group of graduates on um, building a car. Yeah. Couldn't have told you that I would be anything like that. Yeah. So Fine. Talk to me about when you were. When you were so, young, how did you, what, what, was your, what were your interests and did they align to anything to do with this? They did actually. I mean, I think mine, my story is probably a bit more of a direct path. So okay. um, I've always been a petrol head. Mm-hmm. My father's always been a petrol head. He's been heavily involved with cars, loved his Aston Martins from a, when he was young. Um, so always been around cars, always had a passion for cars from a young age. Um, Going back to the school side of things, so I was at Bournemouth Grammar School for Boys, and we got to the point, I think it was year 10, where we had to do work experience. Mm. I had no idea what I wanted to do in year 10, no idea at all. Interesting cars? Interesting cars, but no idea that I wanted to work with them, be involved with them from a career point of view moving forward. I think at that age, it's the last last thing on your mind, really. Um, So my maths teacher was an amazing person and he arranged me for me to do work experience at Porsche Centre Bournemouth. Wow, right. So I did a two week work experience slot with them. So yeah, so, yes. get, so going back, I'm doing work experience with Porsche Centre Bournemouth, did two weeks with them. Mm-hmm. Loved it, absolutely amazing. Amazing to be around A, a prestige brand and yeah, environment yeah, yeah. and B, just around the cars and the mechanics and the workshop. Um, did so they get you doing anything? It was, it was, a lot of it was just Shadowing, shadowing, yeah, watching yeah. them. They got me involved a little bit, doing bits and pieces, which is nice. Um, but basically, after that experience, they offered me an apprenticeship scheme. Wow. So they wrote to me um, after I'd done my GCSEs and said that they're looking for an apprentice. Mm-hmm. They think I'm the right candidate for my engagement sure, and, yeah. and passion in the work experience. Um, I had nothing else on the horizon. I wasn't. I didn't have ambitions to go to university, any of that sort of side of things. So. It all made sense, um, accepted it. I did my apprenticeship with Porsche Centre Bournemouth starting back in 2006, okay. many, many years ago now. Yep. Um, I was fortunate enough to be Apprentice of the Year for two years running. Um, they then invited me back after my three years to do my Master Tech Diploma. 
um, and then complete. It's quite quick, isn't it? This it's, is not, it all yeah. went through in a very, very short space of time. Um, after my master tech diploma, I was very lucky that Porsche Centre Bournemouth actually sponsored me to then do uh, an FDA in automotive business and management wow. while working full time as a yeah. qualified technician. Um, so it's quite full on doing so a full that's day's work. To take your evenings up as well. Exactly. Right? It. So yeah, evenings yeah. doing essay writing, research, yeah. all of that sort of side of things. But I didn't mind it because I had the passion for it and I was mm. young and, you know. Um, so yeah, got, got my FDA in that. Um, and then I just started my experience with Porsche Centre Bournemouth as a technician, mm. getting a few years under my belt. They had then developed their um, technician tiered qualification sort of structure. Okay. So they, they base their technicians as a, a bronze technician, silver or gold. Gold being their master tech, yeah, yeah. you know, top level. Top mm. um, so yeah, progressed my way up through that and became a gold master tech for Porsche. Um, how many uh, at that point? How many at that point, there was about thirty in the network, so thirty right. master wow. techs in the in the That's UK. Not it's not a lot for, for factory trained yeah. Porsche master techs, yeah. um, and there's there's loads of criteria you need to go through. You need to do so many physical training courses, so many mm. physical online courses. You have to prove your knowledge not only technically but customer um, experience mm. as well, customer service, um, dealing directly with them, um, and you go through a, a, a quite a quite a brutal test and then a physical observation of diagnostics wow. so there's sort of a four or five hour diagnostic um, exam where they induce faults on a car right, right, and right. you have to show to diagnose them in a you know a methodical way mm. an efficient way show you're following all the Porsche standards and processes mm. using special tools etc yeah. um, and yeah past that first time I think I got 94 percent so I'm so happy <laughs> so happy with that um because it's horrible to be you in that there's no point in pretending that I'm, I'm fully smug <laughs> oh it's I, yeah I was well, I walked out and I drove home from from Porsche cars great bit and was just like, biggest yeah, grin on my face yeah, yeah. um but being in that exam environment and under pressure someone over your shoulder watching what you're doing you know outside of your normal working environment mm. um so yeah very very happy to to get that um, so I was gold master tech for probably two and a half years at Port right. Bournemouth. Right. Um, really enjoyed it, really great, but then evolved to um, be their workshop controller mm -hmm. and then workshop manager for the last two years. Right. Um, How, so at that point, again, the uh, viewers won't know because I'm going to, yeah, this is coming, but a background on me. Um, but yeah, there's a difference between working on the tools, massive. managing the workshop, massive. and then being the overall service manager. Yeah. Or, workshop manager there's a a distinct step yeah between yeah those two and, and the, I don't think I was fully ready for that because I've always been hands-on I've loved turning spanners I love fixing cars I love building engines mm. and to, to hang your spanners up and go behind the computer screen full-time mm. shirt and tie yeah. you know you've got clean hands for a change yeah. it's um it's completely different and also just managing people as well yeah. it's a completely different mindset of, of, of how you approach your work because um, we're the best one in the world um, and, and I think we're probably on the same wavelength here you have your own standards yes. of how you would work absolutely and then you, you you've got to that position you're in because you have those standards Quite. so naturally you expect everybody exactly to right to yeah exactly right and it, it's, it's eye-opening when somebody does something that you would have done it or approached it in a different way mm. and, and I'm quite OCD with methodical of how I work mm. um, so that was a challenge to accept that everyone's different everyone approaches things in a different way mm. and everyone does things in a different way end result might be the same yeah. 
Um, so yeah, that was quite quite eye opening really to experience that. Um, did you feel at that point though that you were losing something, or um, did you still at that point like no, no, this is this is the right path for me? Yeah, at the time it's, it felt like the right path. Six months into being workshop manager, I had a bit of a wobble, and I was like, what am I doing? Right. I miss the cars, I miss driving them, I miss right. working on them. And yeah. I thought, do you know what? Perhaps I need to step, consider step, consider stepping yeah, back yeah, to, yeah. to being a master tech. Um, but then I've always spun spanners in my private time. Mm. I've got my own cars that I play with and tinker with. So I still had a, yeah, you know, had a, had a link and working, working on them still. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, persevered, did, did two years um, as workshop manager, mm -hmm. loved it. But um, you can only do something for so long before you get to a wall where you go, right, I'm either gonna be stuck doing this for the next 10 years yeah. or right, what's the next step? What's the next step? Um, so for you at that point, you're kind of, a, you're comfortable, you know what you're doing. Comfortable, you've the job's your, easy. Job's, yeah, yeah, well not easy, but it, it's settled right way, quite, quite. But naturally it's almost, I, I, think, I think anyone with this mechanical sense of mind is, you, you, you inherently wanna fix stuff. Yes. When yep. you've got everything to a status quo and it's ticking along, yeah. that's the point where you start going, you want a challenge. You okay. want you to I, test I your mind. Yeah, yeah, quite. I need, I need a quite. direction. So. so, yeah, so we've got to the point and, yeah, six, seven months later, here we are now, Barnsport. So, uh, yeah. So, because there's, there's, I mean, six, seven months later, here we are in a, in a lovely environment with some brilliant cars around. Um, we'll do a tour in a second about the cars, but it wasn't that simple, was it? No. So, um, so I left in, end of February this yep. year. So, yeah, February 2021, end of Feb, left Porsche Centre Bournemouth. Um, it's always been a passion for mine to have my own garage, workshop, mm. specialist, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think that's always been my end goal to achieve that and get to that point and then just build it and grow it from there. Um, so yeah, so we decided to set up Barn Sport. So myself and business partner, James, yeah. um, we've gone in as 50-50, yeah. nice fresh company. Um, I actually worked with James at Porsche Centre Bournemouth when I was an apprentice. So he's oh, his, so that's where the link is, is with James. Um, he's got so many years of Porsche experience under his belt. Mm. Um, so yeah, we, we, we started off mobile, didn't really know what we were doing, just you know, baby steps before you can run. Um, so we started off as a mobile specialist, working out of a van um, and just developed it and grown it very slowly to finally having a roof okay, over okay. our head. Very slowly, well, six, seven months. Yeah, that's, it's, that's, it's, we, it's I mean, flown we by. We off camera, but um, that's, that's an achievement yeah. to go from yeah. you know, stepping away from a, you know, a full-time, very predictable, well-paid job in a, in a lovely environment with all the trappings that yeah. come with all of that. Yeah. So then kind of lying, again, we talked about this, lying on your back, fixing a box to- Yeah, on people's driveways, driveway, yeah, yeah, sideways rain sideways and all, rain. all the elements, yeah. And that's um, very different. It is different, it but is different. I'm guessing you had, you know, the two of you discussed, okay, if this goes well, this is what we'll do next. Quite, yeah, yeah. We've got a long-term game plan of where we want right. to be in five years, 10 years. Um, but for us to have a roof over our head, a ramp to work on, you know, a nice clean environment, all of our tools and equipment all in one place. Um, it's, it's, it doesn't feel like work sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So very, very happy, very humbled that all the customers are supporting us. And um, yeah. In fact, that's a really good point. So I was here not long ago. Yeah. Um, and what I was amazed at, not amazed, because, but for such a new business, I mean, you had a great turnout, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, you know? so yeah, had our open day, um, probably a bit long overdue, but we had an open day, open workshop, and we've got a 
a you know really big car park out there, mm. um, and we filled it with Porsches, and loads of customers came down. And Did you build up there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it was amazing, amazing to see, and uh, you don't realise how many Porsches there are actually out there until they all congregate okay, together. Yeah. And um, so yeah, it was a fantastic, fantastic day, and yeah, the, the support's been great. And and it is, a, I think, a big part of this is the people. I'm fairly new to the brand. Yeah. Um, and I've not met a single person so far that hasn't been really nice to talk to. Yeah. Completely welcoming. Yeah. To all levels of Porsche, whether yeah. you've got a, a you know something like a nine two four, you've got a nine nine two nine nine two. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter what car you've got. It doesn't matter what car, what the price point of that car is, what condition that car is. Yeah. There's all that. There's that similar synergy between everyone. Absolutely. Everyone's got that passion and engagement for the brand, and there's not many brands out there that are similar. Few. Yeah, very, very few. Um, and one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about before we get into the, the main topic yeah. is... Um, don't worry, carry on, carry on. Sorry. 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 <laughs> Cheers, bud. Don't worry, it's fine. What's the surname, mate? Gardner. Gardner, thank you. Thank you, cheers. Perfect, thank you. Um, I might leave that in actually. (laughs) (laughs) Parts delivery. Parts delivery is a standard part of the job. Exactly. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to talk about quickly is that you um, don't just work on modern Porsche. Let's just get that right, okay? So you work on absolutely everything. All Porsche. We've not said no to a Porsche yet. So whether it's an old 1970 2.2S to a new 992, we will will look at it and, and yeah. Turn our hand to it, absolutely. Let's move on then. So let's start talking about the main point. So each one of these tech talks is, um, it's almost like the research phase of an engineering project. Okay. You know, so Hamish, um, myself and Scott, we've all got specialisms. We all do things, we'll have areas that we're specialists in. But at the same time, tech talk does two things one it gives it myth busts yeah some of the things that are out there that you read on forums or facebook groups or whatever else the other thing it does is it allows us a way of collating information building contacts and networking yeah with people that might want to help us with our project definitely yeah um, and and the first one and it and it's something that when i was here last time we talked about a little bit about is geometry yes um Tracking geometry, wheel alignment, yeah, yeah. what are the millions of different names it's got? Absolutely. Yeah. But I think what I want to focus on is the the difference between a road car, a race car, probably something in the middle. Yeah. And why people go immediately? I think it's almost like the Gran Turismo generation of like you can dial in one degree of negative camber, one point five degrees, and then or you can max it out at three or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And and I think people misunderstand. That there's a lot more to it there, than yeah. choosing a, a, a figure and, and then, then sticking figure. with it. Yeah, yeah, quite. I mean, so yeah, so Porsche's out of the box. They're, they're set up as a fast road car. Right. You know, they're set up with slightly more camber, but it's, it's that balance. Like you said, it's that balance. Um, a car that could be fresh out of the factory, if you were to then use that car on the motorway miles, you're probably going to scrub your inside of your rear tyres mm. out. If you're going to then use that car purely on country drives, weekends, driving it hard, mm. you're probably going to scrub the outside of your tyres out. Yeah. You know, so a lot of modern cars now, they're set up in a very 
neutral balanced way so a little bit of toe in average sort of camber um which is right and which is not, right because it's that, that balance yeah. and exactly and their audience that they're, that they're going after they have to find an average quite and sit within that kind of exactly yeah. what they can't do is you know stick it on max attack for, for Joe that just wants to drive around in a nice car. And then complain that on the motorway it's a little bit too twitchy. Yeah, yeah, you go to, and it's tracking the road. Really exactly like right, and tramlining. of aggressive geometry. Quite, quite. So, so that's how they are sort of like as a standard out-of-the-box setup as such. Mm. Um, for me, and we touched on this last time we spoke, like, and a wheel alignment or a setup is quite a personal thing mm. because people like their cars to handle in different ways. Yeah. My personal car is set up in a way that I like it, and it's taken five, six different adjustments and mm. setups to get to a point where I go, oh, do you know what, I'm really happy with that. Mm. You might then hop in it and drive it and go, what's this? This is dreadful, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah, dreadful. Yeah, yeah. But as a personal level, it works for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy. So you spoke, touching about, you know, standard car versus like a race car with the different setups. Race cars naturally have a lot more camber, max camber out as much as you can sort mm. of thing, front and rear. And then the toes are set up, so very neutral at the front, probably actually towing out slightly yep. rather than towing in on a, on a road car. Um, that way, so when you, when you go to turn in a corner, you're getting a crisper turn in to mm. dial out some understeer. Um, this is track specific. Track specific yeah, and race cars, yeah. A, a race car has this no, setup. No. You might have a, a fast track that you dial in a little bit less time exactly, yeah. because you're on longer straights exactly, and really aggressive if, you're, if you've got a really short circuit. Yeah, quite, quite. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting, but it, like I said, it's such a personal thing. Um, but you get it wrong, you, know, you know it's wrong. Yeah. You know, you don't, not only do you kill your tyres, yeah. but if the car would feel unbalanced, unsafe, understeer, oversteer, you know. That, that's all, I, I think that's all true. And I think this is one of the reasons, but this is one of the things that I think people underestimate is that it doesn't take much no. to, to knock things slightly. Exactly. Yeah. Especially, so, and I've watched on your, your Instagram posts on this stuff are amazing. And it's, and it's something I want to come on to in a sec, but you don't get it within parameters. Yeah, it needs to be. Absolutely yeah. I think spot on. The, the key thing to it is you do have a, you know, a range that it can be within, but the, the critical thing is, is that across an axle mm. left rear left wheel and the rear right wheel need to be doing exactly the same thing yeah. if you've got both wheels and one is just towing in slightly more than the other one that's you're gonna car's gonna steer from the rear mm. it's gonna feel unbalanced it's gonna pull to the right or the left when you're accelerating um you know it needs to be balanced is the, the key thing really that, that's what the, the message main message for me is to get across is um but if you don't if you don't have it at least checked periodically yeah you can have knocked that out very easily quite quite and then, you, and then your car and, 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 I, and I, I guess you guys if you're driving along and your car used to feel really good and it just there's something you can't yep. put your finger on it you yep. can't work out what it is yeah something doesn't feel quite exactly like it it, exactly yeah. go and get your geometry checked yeah yeah it's an absolute things. minimum at its service intervals yeah, yeah. probably every six months ideally right. but if you or if you know you've hit a pothole or you've done a track day and you're hitting the curbs mm. really aggressively, get it checked straight away. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, it makes such a difference to the, the driving of the car. You know, over the years, you get experience where if you hop in a car, I know straight away if a wheel alignment is out. Right. Just by how, uh, you know, take a 997, for example, they're, they're very sensitive to wheel alignments. Right, okay. um, 
hop in it and you drive it, you can feel straight away, oh, actually, mm. you're towing out loads on the front. It's really twitchy. Mm. You, you just get that feel straight away and you can, you can tell a, a good setup to a bad setup instantly within really? five minutes driving one. Um, we recently had a, a 997 in that had just been set up by Center of Gravity. Yep. They're really well renowned, really well you know, renowned, great yeah. reputation. Um, and it's probably the best 997 I've driven from mm. a setup point of view. It, everything was just balanced. Turning was beautiful, mm. um, and you could just tell straight away, mm. straight away that it's somebody who knows what they're doing yeah. has done a good job on this car. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's the difference. Again, this is something else that I think people do all the time. And, it, and I, I, no criticism of anybody. Um, there's a big difference between going to somebody, and again, no criticism to any franchises out there that do this as part of the wider range of um, servicing options. Um, there, again, it goes back to that parameter. There's and people out there that don't, you need to know what you're doing. You do need you to, need know, what to know what you're and doing. It, and yeah. it isn't enough, yeah. I don't think, to have um, Hunter set up or something yeah. and be looking at a, a, a you know, display Quite. And, and adjusting slightly and you, all you're watching for is green. Exactly, yeah. That exactly, is, I mean, yeah. That's, that might be fine. I've got a little Fiat 500 out there. That's perfectly yeah. okay for that. Yeah. As long as it steers in a straight line and it breaks okay. But from a performance okay. car, you need it to be exactly, spot on. And, yeah. and what we we see often is the, the technicians that are perhaps a little bit less experienced with Porsche and performance cars, mm. if they're doing a wheel alignment on one, they'll crack off the, the adjuster nut for say rear toe, yep. they'll set it green, tighten it, torque it all up. Then they'll go onto that same corner, they'll then do the same for the camber. But what they're not realizing is that if you're adjusting the camber, you're adjusting the toe. Yeah. And they have that link, and you need to balance it all and do it all at the same time. And, and that's what we see often as the not that the error or the, the problem that, that the setups with them is that you need everything slack, you need to get everything tweaked, do that bit a little bit, then this one, get it all nice and balanced, talk it all up at the end, make sure your readings are, at, are spot on, and mm. you know that's the fundamentals of of it. Um, but it is an art, definite art to uh, a good yeah. setup, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, we, and I think, and you talked about this a bit a little while ago as well, is that personal preference yes so it's one thing somebody and i'm sure lots of people me included by the way would drop a car off and go you've seen a hundred yeah a thousand 981s yeah you know what you're looking for i'm not going to teach you to suck yeah eggs. yeah make it drive well yes using yeah. your you using your skill um not everybody's like that some no. people want, will have a characteristic or a driving Quite. um you know it, it, they want to feel they're yes. looking for some some texture they want more texture from the road yeah feedback through the steering wheel whatever yeah. it is they're looking yeah. for they'll ask you to then do that do you, when, when you're having cars in here, do you spend it at the time working with customers? To yeah, so uh, everything is personal. It's, you know, if somebody has a wheel alignment done, the main thing and their main objective is, is the steering wheel straight at the end of it? Yeah. Does it go in a straight line? That's kind of a lot, a lot of it is to do with that. But actually is, does it wander left or right? Mm -hmm. Does it pull left or right when you're accelerating? Mm -hmm. Does it turn in nicely or is it understeering too much? Um, you know, you can dial in setups to have a bit more understeer on turn in, but oversteer on turn out, okay. or you can go the other way around or get mid oversteer into corners. Um, but it's a lot of it is how the customers use their car. Yeah. You know, if you're using your car as a Sunday morning, gentle drive out for a coffee meet, you know, you're not pushing hard. Mm. You just want a pretty neutral, nice setup. Yeah. You know, if you're going out on a Sunday morning at five in the morning, roads are empty and you're really, you know, pedaling on yeah. and perhaps you do the odd track day, then you want a completely different setup. Um, so that goes back again to, to you know, engineering's core value of 
designed for purpose. Exactly. Figure out yeah. what it is you're going to do. Exactly. What yeah. You're going to use that for, um, and then start thinking. And but always keep in mind. Yeah. With, with any modification you make to any car, there is a com- well. There's a compromise as well because if you're if you're setting up a car for fast road and track use, yeah. You're when you do drive it on the road, it might be a little bit more twitchy on the motorway, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you might scrub tires a bit quicker. So that's the other going, thing you need you to. You are going in with, and I think this is the key: is acknowledging that from the start. Yes. Having your idea of what you want from whatever it is. You've Absolutely. Got, and then saying to yourself, right, okay, these are the compromises. Yeah. That I have to make. Risk versus reward, isn't it? Exactly you know. Yeah. That. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And I, again, I think that is. I'm completely guilty of it in the past. I built a uh, Volkswagen Corrado in the mid 2000s, um, and it was that post post-Max Power era, okay. post-Fast and Furious, before it kind of went into space. Um, uh, and it was, and I wanted a track car. Yep, fine. I didn't know what a track car was, and I've done a handful of tracks. Track yeah, whatever. yeah. And yeah, I put, uh, whipped all the injection off it and stuck it on bike carbs yeah. with a custom-made manifold. It looked beautiful. It, uh, yeah. It this, lovely, this lovely big ITG airbox at the front. Um, and, and I got the you know a facet fuel pump put on like all sorts of bits. All and the pieces. bits and pieces, yeah. Recaro, Recaro buckets, harnesses, stripped half the interior out. Never did a track day. Yeah. And it, and it was yeah borderline undrivable. It was miserable. It broke down because I hadn't done any yeah. actual. There's no engineering involved. It I was just, just throw a load of parts of it. I want a track car, but it looked great in photos. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It was on deck, it had three piece split rims, uh, you know, and and, uh, and yeah, internet points. Tick, 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 yeah, tick. Yeah. As a car, pretty much no useless. Good. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, and I probably repeated that same exercise a handful of times. And I'm sure lots of you are yeah. sitting there nodding your head saying, yeah, I've done the same thing. But it gets to a point where you go, there's more to it than this. 100%. 100%, and that, yeah. And the Porsche audience, I think, are closer to that. I don't know whether it's an age thing. I don't know whether it's an appreciation of what you have and the understanding of the, all the work that goes into yeah. producing a car. Yeah. But Porsche get it close to spot on absolutely but then all, on the flip side of that you get customers that will be wanting gt product gt3s yeah. and gt4s and they're never used on track yeah so you, you know you've got a specific track purpose car set up for track you know they've got the bigger the brakes the better suspension mm. out the box from the factory their alignments are set Super up for the car, tr- yeah. really really capable and they're used for coffee morning meets as a and not used to the car's you know full potential, full potential. Yeah. so you do get those two aspects and you know two different ends of the spectrum yeah. um I yeah though, it, 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 full disclosure i've happily i've got you know again if you haven't seen my car i'll show you my car but i've got a 987 981 2.7 cayman um would i have a gt4 gt4 rs of course of you course would I yeah would. of course <laughs> you would yeah am i gonna ha- am i gonna go straight to spa and no 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 but uh, but again i think the important thing is going in acknowledging that, that you are not going to extract yes. the potential of this yeah. car. Um, yeah. So we talked a bit broadly about the importance of geometry and wheel alignment and yeah. all the other terms. Let's go into a little bit about the individual uh, adjustable parts. Yes. Yeah. So and we mentioned camber quite a bit, we mentioned tow quite a bit. What yeah. else is there? So on the sports car generation on the Porsches, uh, yeah, like you say, you've got rear tow, rear camber, front tow, front camber. You've yeah. also got caster angle. Yeah. Um, there, most Porsches you can't adjust the camber apart from some of the 4x4 KNs you, and Panameras you can. Right, Car um, caster. Yeah. Um, however, there's aftermarket components, um, arms that you can bolt on, which you can then adjust the caster. Yeah. 
Um, so the caster is basically, if you've got the vertical upright, it's, it's how far back or forward does the wheel sit looking perpendicular onto it. Which you it. can see if you look at where, I, you know, if you, if you drew a, a, a vertical line from the, from the centre point of the arch through the centre Yes, cap. exactly. You yeah. would see that, and, it, and you can see it if it's been adjusted dramatically. Yeah. You can visually see, see it sitting back or forward, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's arms, the front tuning fork arms, there's aftermarket ones to fit on to adjust that if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, but mostly, I mean, camber and toe is probably the most crucial thing. Yeah. Uh, the other thing to bear in mind is dependent on what suspension you're running, whether it's coilovers, yeah. you can set the corner weights as well. Yeah. Um, so, and so set the cross weights. Yeah. What, so with your with your um, coilover suspension, you, it's quite critical to get your ride height set and balanced. Yeah. And then basically, what you do is you corner weight the car, so you weigh each set of scales under each tire, yeah. um, and that basically gives you the balances and weights of the car and the weight distribution. From there, you can then work out sort of the cross percentages and adjust the, the coilovers to basically balance the car. Okay. So you can shift weight to the front, shift weight to the back. Again, all dependent on personal preference on how you want your car to handle and balance. Mm. Um, again, there's base settings that are a good starting point to go for, depending on what car you're in. You know, 911s are quite unique being rear engines. You've got a lot of weight at the front. Yeah. Um, so you typically dial a bit more into you try and bring it more neutral? Try and balance it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you want a 50-50 split diagonal um, percentage. So that, that's quite interesting to get involved in, and there's a lot of fine-tuning, a lot of trial and error. Um, and again, it goes back to you. If, if a car's been corner-weighted and set up properly, you've, uh, you've, the, the feeling of driving a car hard with a good suspension setup is chalk and cheese into hopping into something that like you say, it's built for track purpose, but hasn't really got that mindset and thought process going into it. Chalk and cheese, yeah. yeah. So going back to corner weighting then, typically you ballast the driver's seat for the driver's Yeah, so weight you, you'd it. have it set up and weighted, so you'd have the fuel tank brimmed, yeah. you'd have the weight put in for the driver, um, unless you were always with a passenger and then yeah. you balance it. So yeah, it, it it's all goes down to finding out what the customer uses it, how he uses it, mm. what his purpose is for it, and then you customize it and tailor it exactly mm. to that. Um, not all cars have got coilovers, yep. coilover suspension, so obviously you can't always do that, and mm. you can't. You can still corner weight a car to measure it and find out where you're at, but mm. the adjustability was then obviously not there. Um, I want to, before we get, that's a really key point as well, and, I, and this is, again, internet myth. Coilovers are bad. Coilovers are going to make your, it's going to be bone shaking. How much of a turd statement is that? Yes and no. Right. I think with coilovers, you get what you pay for. Yeah. If you're buying a budget set of coilovers for your car, you're going to have a bone shaking, choppy ride, but you can adjust the ride height so it's going to look good, etc. If you spend a lot of money on some coilovers, such as a set of Bilstein's or Olin's, uh, are incredible. Um, they're very compliant. You can change the springs for different spring rates. Mm -hmm. So you can, again, you can customize the rebound, the damping. Um, and again, driving a car from budget coilovers to a, a quality like coilover that's set up, yeah. chalk they're, and cheese. I think, I think coilovers have got a bad name because there are so many budget sets out there. And they're not the cheapest things. No, so, I if, mean, if so, so, so a cheap, cheap say is what a 
few hundred quid. Exactly. And they exactly. Are not valved. They're not tested. The springs aren't yeah. you know, tested. Before yeah. Cheap materials on. and the quality is yeah. just not there. Two years later, and they're a rusty pile of exactly. Rubbish. Yeah. But then suspension's so expensive. You know, if you wanted a full set up installed. To go from a budget set to a quality set, you're talking thousands oh, yeah, in, yeah. in a difference. Five, six, seven plus. Absolutely. Yeah. So quite often people don't always spend that extra money for the quality ones yeah. um, with them thinking that it's the same product when it actually it's not. So I think coilovers have got a bad name and bad reputation because of the amount of budget ones out there mm. that have then been fitted on cars yeah. and they've perhaps then not experienced a quality coilover yeah. setup dialed in properly. And it's so noticeable. You, the, the the stroke yeah. of, a, of, a, of the push rod that goes into the chamber if it's been you know if it's been the right oils in it it's been set up and valved yeah, properly absolutely and you tw tweaked it all the compression and the and, and the extraction yeah. of that rod is so slick yeah it's not yeah. like you get this um, stiction is what it's called where you get that, that piston that drives into the chamber and and everything's so badly set up that it just does yeah it yeah it's just not smooth steps. yeah and, and I yeah. think again that is so along with poor design, you know, poor kind of qualities in terms of corrosion resistance, all the rest of it. Stiction yeah, is one is of the big things key factor. You'll, you'll, you're going to notice, and yet you wouldn't necessarily know what it is other than the fact that it just doesn't feel yeah, right. Yeah. So you get, you know, you can, I guess it goes back to the, what do you want out of a car? If all you want is like, exactly. Mega do you want it cosmetically right? Two or inches off the floor. Exactly. Go nuts, buy yourself yeah. a 300 quid cordovers. If you've got something that you want to invest in and you want to extract the best performance out, whatever that is, whether it's driving on the road, yeah. whether it's a, you know, a purpose-built track car, um, you need to understand what you need to spend your money 100%. on and then invest correctly in that. Because again, overkill. Um, I, I would like to put a set of cordover suspension on my 981. I don't need three-way adjustable no. Owens TTX. I don't need K, you know, KW, KW yeah. absolute max set. I need something that kind of... A compromise is, in between. Yeah, something yeah. that allows me, because visually I would like it a little bit lower. Um, I think setup, I'd want something reasonably neutral. I don't know yeah. loads of track base. There's no yeah. point in me getting this crazy, yeah. you, know, you know, staggering up. But I also want something that I know... I'm not removing a high quality item and putting a lower, a lower quality, quality yeah fine yeah. but like, like you say going back to the, your you know compromising for your your 981 I, I'm running a 987 Cayman yep. on track heavily track focused but going back to it being a personal preference I don't run coilovers so yeah. I run a standard Bilstein well an uprated Bilstein B8 shock absorber yep. with a H&R 35mm drop spring right. quite a soft sprung rate spring yeah. but for me it does everything I want it to do. Yeah. It handles the way I want it. I'm super happy with it. And I could easily go and spend thousands on coilovers, exactly. get it all dialed in. But if, and, and if I'm happy with it, no, you well, quite. You're buying the part and going, right, for me, half, yeah. half a day to set this up. Exactly. But for me, I'm happy with the car. Mm. So what's the point then going swapping everything X, Y, Z out when I, as, actually, as it is, and it looks, it, it does, does it, yeah. it looks absolutely great. Yeah. It? And, and I know it's a, it's a track car, so your focus is less on aesthetics and more on its yes, performance. Yes, yeah. But bonus, it looks it great. Look, yeah, yeah, quite. So, yeah, it's, it's that compromise of how you want it to look, how you want it to perform, and what you're using the car for. Okay. And it's getting that balance for the customer or for yourself yeah. and your car. That's kind of a, a key thing, definitely, definitely. But, you know, it's not all about your shock absorbers and your springs. Yeah. You can talk about poly bushes, yeah. different arms. You can go solid mounts, yeah. roll bars, you know, thicker, stiffer roll bars, mm. 
Um, I mean, it's, it, it, the problem is it can be a, a slippery slope. Thing, but that, with all engineering, is um, no doubt Porsche would have worked out that there's n there's no serious weakness across yeah. the platform. Yeah. Whereas naturally, you introduce something that's far superior or far stiffer, and all you're doing is moving. You, you start introducing weaknesses in other yes, areas, yeah. and, and and again, if it if you are looking for something that needs to be zero body roll, well, you put these great you put this great coilover setup on, you know, it's cost you six thousand quid to do it. Yeah, but then you've got seven or eight year old rubber standard bushes. Standard bushes. Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, yeah. all you've done is introduce another issue. Yeah, bushes. Quite. So then you need to consider whether actually that's that then becomes your weak point, and the fact that you're going to use it aggressive more aggressively. Yeah. You're introducing more load into that semi-perished bush. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's no surprise you you start to pick up knocks and it doesn't. Yeah, wears, out quicker. wears out quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So that's a massive key thing to think about, rather than just go and throw in a set of coilovers on your car. You need to balance everything else with it. Um, you know, you, th you take the GT2 RS at the moment, mm. incredible car, but carbon fibre roll bars—they're just absolute yes. work of art. You yeah. know, that's creme de la creme at the top um so yeah lo loads of things to think about um even going from away from standard sort of ball joints and dust boots you get it all fully rose jointed yeah. you know which you is what my lotus was like yeah yeah it was all rose jointed yeah it's amazing but then you know where do you stop and i didn't you, need it i didn't need it the then you thing. start looking oh do i then reduce the unsprung mass weight do you go different wheels do you yeah. go lighter brakes go yeah. you know there's and i did all of this i forged wheels yeah you know, the, exactly the yeah, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong i was very proud of that finished product again i'll put some photos up for those of you want to have a look um but uh, i'd never used a tenth of, of the, its potential of its potential yeah yeah and yeah the, the investment i put into that car very luckily i bought that car for a pittance in much the same way that yeah. you, you know you bought your 987 yeah it was a, a, a k series uh at least head gasket had gone yeah and, and i bought it knowing that it was low miles no owners and all the rest of it but it had engine trouble um, and then started rebuilding it all the way through from that. So I came, when I sold it, I actually hadn't moved out of equity. Yeah, fine. So I'd, I'd still invested all this money in, but I hadn't kind of burned through it. Um, but yeah, it's easy to get. But do you in. do you regret not using it to its full potential? I, do you so wish you did test it and put it through its paces and go? Do you know what? Actually, everything I've done to it, it, it all works. It, it taught me a, it taught me a few things. It as an engineering project to understand more about what my capabilities are in terms of what I can and can't do. Yeah. Like where do I stop? Where do I hand stuff off to other people to do? What can I do myself? Yeah. That was really, it was a really enlightening experience doing that. Um, I, I was in the middle of buying a house with my wife and I needed to get some money out of yeah, that car. Yeah, fine. money tied up in that car. So I didn't, I just literally didn't have it long enough to, to test all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and the intention was, and, and the next tech talk is at HP Automotive. And they build, um, you know, fully built engines. And the intention was to buy a 300 horsepower, 300 um, wow. pound foot torque, yeah. uh, normally aspirated Honda. Wow. And that would have gone in the back of it. And it would have been an absolute monster. Epic machine, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that was the long term, I had a long term plan. Yeah. Um, do, I do I regret? No, because I wouldn't have a Porsche. Fine. And, and, and I think what the Lotus lacked was daily usability even more so when I was yeah. finished with it because it was corner weighted and yeah. very yeah. low um, and actually now I get to jump in a car that I can use and can do you know 
two hours back to channel number and be comfortable with it and it yeah and i can switch the exhaust off and you know listen to music yeah and i can i can you know switch the valves on and and kind of and go for a flat in the countryside and i really enjoy it so and i've ended up being in this community and i didn't realize what the community yeah. was like so Porsche, an, an amazing brand for that aren't they oh, the, the following the community unreal. is is amazing absolutely amazing more so, and i and i and lotus is a um it's, it's different than the same people are equally as fanatical about detail yeah but, and that no disrespect to anyone that's got a lotus but there is something about the heritage that people get with porsche even if yeah. you've got a brand new porsche um you, the, you still respect the love, where they've got yeah all the way back yeah. to, to you know the really early stuff it's it's almost like people you feel the bloodline yeah you can, or you can yeah. always feel the bloodline absolutely um and, and i think oh, i'm totally sucked into it now. yeah yeah and so once once you are, it's that slippery slope. Yeah, I can't personally ever imagine not having a Porsche now. Which is mad. I would, uh, yeah, I, I would never. I don't think I'd ever go away from the brand mm. ever. And, and it, it's just it shows just how powerful that is. Yeah. You know. Um, well, so get, so we'll start wrapping this up now. But the the five fifty build that we're going to do. Yeah. The idea is we we take this Beetle chassis, better off. Um, strip the body off of yep. the left of the bare chassis. Yeah, has to be extended slightly for to accommodate the 550 um, shell. But we're going to 3D scan the whole the, the chassis. Yeah, then start looking at the weaknesses because you know everybody knows the Beetle's not the greatest handling thing in the world. Yeah, I believe there's potential there. Yeah, definitely. So we'll start. You know, we'll 3D scan it, put it into CAD, and then the design team are going to start looking at how we can custom make. Strengthen it where it needs it. Strengthen it where yeah, it needs it, but actually, yeah. you know, building completely different suspension components from yeah. the ground up. Yeah. Um, but this is again going back to design for purpose. We need to figure out what that car's intention is yeah. at the end. Exactly. To yeah. set our understanding and expectation, because there's no point in us going, you know, like we're going to build this bit it uh, upright. I think it's, it's very easy to lose focus once you once you're on that journey. It's very easy to then divert off into these different areas. Yeah. You know, like you said, you need to decide what what its purpose is going to be yeah there's no point setting it up for track use if it's going to be a weekend car exactly you know yeah. um ideally we'd have a client and we'd engage with that client yeah it would be a it would be a tailored, tailored yeah. product yeah for that client. we're not doing that because the the end of it will be it goes off to auction uh, yeah acting cars or, or yeah. another option auction site um so 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 we have to try and kind of almost Design it with a purpose in mind, and then make that clear. Fine, the and then audience. fine tune it at the end. And then, it, and then yeah. absolutely, yeah. The, the intention is to provide some sort of warranty and some sort of um, customization and collaboration process once it's sold yeah. to the client to then set the car up. Yeah, nice, use. nice. Um, we're a long way away from that. So exciting, though. It Very is. exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it, and, it, and it's there, there's some trepidation and nerve, obviously, because we're taking on something that. I don't think anyone else has done. Yeah. Certainly not exposed every single element of it. No, exactly. For, yeah. for everybody to critique and know that along the way, they'll be, you should have done this. There'll be hiccups and problems along the way, but it's part of the journey. And it is. You know, you look, once you're at the point where you've got the car, you'll look back at that and yeah. take that all as experience. So yeah. if you ever did another one, for example, well, that's the plan. you it's then know exactly. Yeah. Of, you know, nice. each one will be a one-off and then we'll move on to the next one. We've got some vague plans of what those might be. Um, but again, Audience participation, stick in the comments below what you think our next project should be, because this one's a 550. Um, what do we do next? Uh, and, and let's get a bit of conversation going around that.
Um, Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been thank really you so much. Really interesting. Hopefully you guys have got some information about um, suspension, geometry, wheel alignment, whatever you want to call it. Hopefully it's been useful. If you have any specific questions, um, again, stick them in the chat or, or um, come over to uh, Rengineering UK at Instagram, uh, Rengineering on Facebook, or go to Barnsport and have a, uh, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, Barnsport Limited, Barnsport LTD. Barnsport yeah. Limited. Um, go check those guys out. Uh, give them a ring as well if you've got any needs for, for not just suspension, but for anything just, in terms of your yeah. um, modern or new. Always, yeah, you. absolutely, yeah. yeah. Always available on WhatsApp, emails. Give us a call. Yeah, always happy to help and offer advice. Thanks very much. Thanks for watching. Uh, make sure you subscribe and hit that notification bell, and uh, we'll see you next time. All the best. Thanks. Cool. Perfect. Nice Indeed. one, dude. That was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Oh, that sounds fruity.